Howdy, partners, and welcome to another fortnightly episode of War Starts at Midnight. I'm Chris Gallagher. I'm Jacob Graves. And I'm Hunter Cates. On today's show, we've got a special review of Chris and Jacob's communal war crime, Michael Crichton's Westworld. Then, I'll recap week six of the Midnight Warrior Fantasy Movie League. And finally, we'll wrap up the show as we always do with some really rad recommendations. But first... Midnight Warriors, it's finally here. Join us at Circle Cinema this Friday, January 13th, and Saturday the 14th at 10 p.m. and catch Michael Crichton's Westworld on the big screen. Chris and I are hosting both screenings, so follow the link in the show notes to buy tickets now, or risk it and get them at the box office. And speaking of Westworld, hop on your horsies, because we've got a review of it. Coming up right now! In Westworld, frustrations find release. Desire ends in satisfaction. Let me handle it. And all in a controlled environment. That's not supposed to happen. We know you'll enjoy your stay in Westworld. Hold it. The ultimate resort. Let me do it this time. Where nothing, nothing can possibly go wrong. I'm shot. Go wrong. Raw. Go wrong. Oh, my God. Shut down. Shut down immediately. When HBO's latest smash hit, Westworld, began taking television by storm, many viewers flocked to the internet to discuss rumors, predictions, and tinfoil hat fan theories, which all pretty much turned out to be true. Yet many viewers were surprised to learn there was already a Westworld movie that was made back in the 70s. Hunter Cates was not one of them. (laughs) Written and directed by author Michael Crichton, in his first cinematic adventure, we traveled to the not-so-distant future of 1983 to follow city slickers James Brolin and Richard Benjamin on their trip to the incredible Delos theme park known as Westworld. Where nothing can go wrong. Go wrong. Go wrong. Also featuring a memorable performance by Yul Brynner in what, up until recently, may have been the world's only performance of a robot gunslinging cowboy. So gentlemen, I'm curious. Is 1973's Westworld worth visiting? And furthermore... Hunter, if you ventured to Westworld for vacation, would you choose to rob a bank, save the bank, or just hang out in the saloon, getting drunk, wrestling, and bedding robo-hookers? Well, you know, Chris, bedding robo-hookers is what I already do, so I'd probably have to go with uh, rob a bank. There is so much about your life I do not know. (laughs) Yeah, it's so much that you guys need to know. But in answer to your first question, is this worth uh, visiting? I, of course, am the lone viewer of this from the past. Um, I, coming back to it after several years, at least 10 I was actually amazed how functional this is. It's dated, but how functional this is. It's a very effective thriller, I feel. It's a, like, I I didn't know what I was expecting going in, really. I, the only thing I was really expecting was it's not going to be like the TV show. And, uh. I, I was pleasantly surprised by a lot of it. Like it's, and this is, so this is a interesting war crime review in that this is not the typical movie that I think we would consider a war crime. Although this is something that I could easily see you nominating for me. Bear in mind, I nominated you for Predator. So this right. absolutely falls in the category right. of war crime. For exactly. Me. This movie felt a lot like Predator actually towards the end. I don't know if you guys felt that same vibe. Well, and, and to that point, and I think that's why it qualifies as a war crime and not just a hunter war crime, is because it's it's a kind of a, a a launching point for so much of the sci-fi that came afterwards. Mm-hmm. It was a direct inspiration for Terminator, which came out 13 years later, and then Michael Crichton's own Jurassic Park. Um, you mentioned Jake uh, Predator, and then this even 
influenced uh, John Carpenter with the Halloween series. So in many ways, this was like an early slasher pick, the unstoppable supervillain. So I would say from that vantage point, as far as sci-fi horror is concerned, it really is a uh, a war crime from that perspective. Is that what drove you to watch it the first time? Did you uh, actually had you heard of it because of those reasons? Uh, no, it was actually I think I saw it whenever I was eight, nine, ten, somewhere in there. And it was actually something that was recommended to me by my mom, who she was a big fan of because she saw it as a little kid. OK. And so it scared oh. scared her as a little kid. And then so I was telling Chris earlier, I watched this version on a tape. That's like 20 years old. And I had to take down, take out my VCR and plug it in and watch, and I watched it on the tape because we've, I've had it for that long. Which might be appropriate. Although I will say I am super excited to see this with a crowd uh, because this is the type of like, it, it's just, you don't see movies like this at all anymore. Like it's a mm. little, it's a little odd. It's a little weird, but it's also, it's a whole lot of fun. And that's, that's the thing that I wasn't necessarily prepared for is how much fun I had with with this, even as rickety as some bits might be. And I would add this is, is this was something I was probably not sophisticated enough to pick up on as a kid, but watching it again, there's an element of satire to it that actually reminded me of Paul Verhoeven. There's a, there's a RoboCop and Starship Troopers kind of element to it. (laughs) Well, well at the, at the front, whenever they're interviewing all of the guests Mm -hmm. and there was a, a, like I said, a satire of the corny vacation and the like pitch. Well, that's, that's actually the opening of RoboCop is kind of very similar in, in that regard. Um, I, Huh, interesting. They, I mean, and also like the setup when they're coming in on the plane and you kind of have you're you're getting to know who the other people at at the the parks are. And I, I will say I was not at all prepared for I knew that Roman world and medieval world existed in the movie, but I wasn't prepared for how much they sort of played into their the movie prominence as yeah. it as it went on. But uh, the. Uh, you know, even down to like the woman making eyes when they they mentioned Roman world on the little like TV monitor on the plane. And she's like, ooh, that's where I want to go. Sort of like it, it does have it does have a little bit of social commentary right. or, or, or that sort of thing going on there. Yeah. I, I don't think it's quite as sharp as Verhoeven, though. Uh, no, not really. And, and as much as I love the man, that's kind of Michael Crichton. Michael Crichton as a as kind of a creative personality it wasn't the delivery as good as much as the idea his ideas mm-hmm. were world class but the actual application of him in many ways was a little rough shot and you can see that in this film well let me ask you this do you think as a director maybe that was the wrong choice like do do you think this could have benefited from or i mean and maybe not like maybe in 1973 is this mm-hmm. well um, i mean this was i think it was a couple years before duel so uh-huh. maybe a young Steven Spielberg, that could have been good. But actually, no, watching this again, I would say that I thought this was an effective thriller by and large. I mean, it's dated. It has some 70s. Very, It's thick with 70s stuff. But as far as the thriller aspects of it, no, I thought it worked very well. How about you guys? I, th- I thought that was the strongest part of it. And and there were other things that I thought were really cool in it, too. Like, uh, apparently, it's some of the first use of computer images in yes. film when you see his point of view mm-hmm. when he is uh, mm-hmm. chasing after him. And when I saw that, immediately said, oh, that's a cool shot. Yeah. Well, and yeah, speaking of Predator, it's that, that same kind of that thing there. And what's interesting is they ran those images through a computer and it took eight hours for 10 seconds. Sounds about right. <laughs> yeah, to, to produce that. And basically what they did is they just had the original picture, but it's just a little fuzzier. What, what Hunter isn't telling Speak, you is that actually of, all of those tape-to-tape computers in the background, they are running. They're actually that's, running yeah, the that's graphics. Exactly. That's how they tried to save <laughs> so, time and budget. <laughs> 
Sp- speaking of technology, has has anyone ever had bolder predictions for 10 years in the future than this movie? <laughs> it's like in 10 years, we'll have everything figured out except robot hands. Yeah. But, everything else we have nailed. But I don't I don't think it's trying to be like serious about a prediction of the future. It's more like I mean, because that's the talking about sort of tone and genre. Um, I was I was a little surprised when it becomes more of a thriller towards, you know, the middle to the end, um, mm-hmm. because up up front it's more just like a fun like let's explore this goofy like tongue-in-cheek like self-aware sort right. of sort of place for you know like like the, the two things that stick out to me one that that giant bar fight which is just like everybody wants to be in a bar fight <laughs> no, let's have a bar no, fight exactly bar i would fight say it goes on three times longer than it should you know i would say that um especially compared to the tv show this Westworld looks like a place that's fun to visit mm-hmm. i would want to go to this west world and and bane robo prostitutes and get in bar fights <laughs> <laughs> um but the the other thing that kind of stick, stuck out to me as just like more lighter fare is the music throughout this mm-hmm. and which in in another movie would have like really set me off but it was it was somehow a, a nice pairing. Like there's there's a lot of banjo, a lot of harmonica, and a lot of fiddle going on. Right, and then also a lot of electronic stuff. Particularly R- with Brenner, yeah, yeah. And then the um, and speaking of uh, Thriller being effective, the um, the music of him whenever he's chasing after spoiler alert Richard Benjamin at the end. It's it's I, that's just quality horror yeah. as far as I'm concerned. It yeah. works very well. Okay, on on that note, let's let's get into. I'm gonna run spoilers. Uh, just then this movie's old enough. Like if you haven't seen it, I boohoo. Get it together. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to run the spoiler theme song and you can skip ahead to the beer pairing, uh, if you would like, or to really write recommendations. Uh, and also you should, if you haven't seen this, you should come see it at circle cinema and join us coming up Friday and Saturday. Okay, so there were a lot of things I really liked, but I think my favorite interaction in the film is when uh, the guy is running clean out of the park and he runs in the, the technician who's maybe like fixing a flat or something. Yeah, yeah. Everything is broken. That part was very, very James Bond to me. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. He, he was just like, you got no chance. <laughs> See, I love that in horror movies. Is whenever he goes into the explicit description of why this guy's going to kill you, there's no way you can stop him. I just, I love that there stuff. Was, there was absolutely, like there was literally no reason that we needed to know any of that information though. Like if all of that played out without... Uh, like it would have been just as terrifying. It w- uh, yeah, exactly. It was it was there to scare you, but you always need the in these movies. You always need the you have no chance. He's yeah, gonna yeah. get you. It absolutely had to be there. That set the <laughs> the like we knew he was we knew he was a bad guy coming to get him because they had installed the the laser vision in him. Right. But this this was the you somebody who knows says you have no you're just a dead man. He's coming to get you and you're dead. That's the other thing is that the like when he goes in for the upgrade and they're like, oh, we're going to upgrade his hearing and sight. That was like, we didn't need that. <laughs> the only reason you do that is to kill is to have him kill yeah. Richard Benjamin. Um, all right. So let's let's break down the individual elements because I really want to talk about, you know, just 
Yul Brenner. Let's talk about mm-hmm. Yul Brenner. Is he's one of those guys who's so cool that the second he comes on screen, you're like, God damn, that guy's cool. And <laughs> and this is essentially he gets starring role, but it's essentially a cameo. It's it's, but it's also like I can never tell what accent he's doing or like what what I I don't know what's going uh, on uh, with him in this movie. Maybe I'm just in a different place watching this because <laughs> I'm I'm looking at this and I'm just thinking, man, he is so cool. I I would love to be killed by that guy if I have to go. <laughs> like I don't know he. he he says four lines in the movie, and he kills more people than words. He says, "I'm pretty." <laughs> and he's sure. maybe in it a grand total of ten minutes, but yet those that you remember him in this movie. But That's movie star quality. But, but for me, it's like when he when he says his first words in the in the bar. It's like, oh yeah, that guy's a robot. That guy's definitely a robot. <laughs> I think that's you. <laughs> I don't need to see though. your hands, Brenner. It's fine. Did you watch the Keenan Eye and think that guy's a robot? Because <laughs> I think that might just be. I think that might be you, Brenner. But that that moment, uh, he needs his mama or call home to his mama, and, this, and then James Brolin's like, "Kill him!" <laughs> like that's an appropriate response when someone talks to you in a bar. The, the bloodlust of yeah, no, and that and that's the thing is it's like it's definitely it it's not Verhoeven in that in that regard in that like it's it's just having fun with it's not trying to make any sort of any sort of grander statement on violence or that sort of thing. No, once once stuff gets rolling, well, it wasn't making a statement. It like the TV show is making, right. but it, but Michael Crichton throughout all of his stuff, not just this movie, is constantly making a statement on technology mm-hmm. and well, how and we're not is, prepared for technology and the consequences of it. And the arc of this is very similar to something like Jurassic Park, mm-hmm. where you know it's it's sort of best intentions and a theme park, and then oh no, everything goes everything goes wrong, goes wrong, goes wrong. Exactly. Um, so. I already answered this question. Obviously, I feel that it was a war crime. Do you guys concur with that? I'm glad that I saw it. I would not have like, I would not have seen it and been like, oh man, I can't believe I hadn't seen that. But it's also like, I I really enjoyed it mm-hmm. for for right. What it it's is. not gonna make my top hundred movies list or anything like that. But it was so much fun. It was a really mm-hmm. fun movie to watch. And 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 having seen this movie again. I'm kind of astounded that the show it inspired is what we get on HBO's Westworld because it's just very different. Well, but things. Uh, the the show just seems like basically taking the most base elements of mm-hmm. Westworld and then saying, okay, now let's look at it from the vantage point of the 21st century where we are right now. Right. Um, and that's honestly like I would much rather get that than get something that I, I there are a few little like nods to the the TV show. Your Brenner's actually to the in, movie. The, in, exactly. in the TV show. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but there's not a whole lot of trying to. Uh, say and probably because it's more of a cult movie than you know a, a big hit. That well, everyone... and act, well, actually, that's my point is that you take this kind of mm-hmm. I'm not going to mm-hmm. say obscure, but this cult TV show, and then it turns into HBO's new centerpiece. Right, that astounds me. But especially when you consider all the false starts through the years. Um, I don't know if you guys knew this, but at one point in time, Arnold Schwarzenegger was supposed to be in a remake of Westworld. Really? Yeah. Hmm. And then this is one that's of those typecasting. That's just yeah, really exactly. bad typecasting. Right. Um, as a as a still as a cowboy, or was this going to be you, like German you, world? <laughs> Yangs. <laughs> Who would go to German world? Go to Germany. <laughs> it's a gold's gym. <laughs> They're all robots. Yes, it's, yes, it's uh, meathead world. Yep. Um, Disney's gotten way off track with this Epcot thing. Um, just German world. But watching this movie again, it kind of reminded me of just you think of all the 70s horror films that have just been remade ad infinitum. Mm-hmm. And so it's almost like this very easily could have just been remade as a forgettable 2006 Nicolas Cage movie. 
Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, like Wicker fair. Man or something like that. Hey, hey, don't knock on, <laughs> don't knock on Wicker Man. Yeah, but when they when they remade it, they put so many new good ideas into it. But I think the basis of it is a really strong premise. Yeah. This is a this is a great idea, this Westworld theme park. Well, and and I think like I was worried that I was going to go into this and just have no fun. And um I, I really enjoyed it, but I also think that there is you do see like everything that sort of opens up uh, the the television show is here as far as sort of the rules. Um, they definitely expand on everything a thousand fold. But, you know, just the basic idea, it's all set up with this story in the movie. Um, they don't he doesn't necessarily focus on it. That's not his main. I, I feel like Crichton's main thing is, like you've said, uh, the thriller aspect and then and the entertainment aspect of it. But but still, he's he's asking questions. He's just not asking them as broad or as with as much fervor as perhaps the show does. I love Michael Crichton, but he was essentially a pulp novelist. Mm. But he was an absolutely brilliant mind as a futurist. So this movie wound up inspiring, you know, the TV show. And it's amazing that you have this 88 minutes of very short movie, this 88 minute long movie that's wound up insp- inspiring you know, potentially 70 hours of content. Right. Well, yeah. And they, they say that the show they have planned out for at least three seasons, I think. Mm-hmm. So um, that's, that's exciting. Let's, I want to do something that Hunter, we typically, because this is, I, I don't know how to state this enough. Midnight Wars this is a, it's, just, it's a fun movie. So I would like to do something that we typically hold for our kind of summer movie reviews. I want to go around and ask what everyone's favorite part of this film is. Well, I already, I already said my favorite and it, it's, Definitely when he runs into the guy who says he has no chance. Like, every machine's breaking, including this guy's car that's out in the middle of nowhere is breaking, too. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's just, a, it's a little absurd, but it's really, really great at raising the stakes and just, just making it that 70s horror film you really want to see. Yeah, and it, and it doesn't waste any time there, either. Like, it could have, it could have tried to over-exaggerate the, or over- over enunciate the exposition. It's just it's exactly the amount that you need. Uh, and I'm pretty through. sure Yul Brenner shoots him from like four miles away. <laughs> yeah, he's not even close when the camera comes back. <laughs> and, to he, him. and he's got like a like a Winchester 73 or whatever, like like one of those Winchester repeating rifles. I don't think I don't think those are sniper rifles. If you're a robot Yul Brenner, they <laughs> I become guess, sniper I guess that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> with with the eyesight of like a pixelated <laughs> eyesight, yeah. yeah, the eyesight of like one of those Fisher Price video cameras from from the 90s. Yeah, clearly. <laughs> that's all you need take note no no game boy camera he's just got a yeah. game boy two game boy cameras <laughs> that's another thing michael Crichton predicted <laughs> uh my my favorite part is actually probably the the music that rolls over the credits uh because it, it gets pretty like heavy and intense in the last half or last third of this movie mm-hmm. and then it it's sort of a reprise of this theme song that we've heard a little bit throughout and it's got the the things that i pointed out earlier the banjo and the fiddle and the the harmonica and it kind of like to me sounds like the convoy th- song that like the song that then was turned into a movie starring chris christopherson we got a great big convoy right. and, which, um, which means that michael Crichton also inspired convoy <laughs> michael Crichton predicted convoy yeah. uh but uh, uh, did, did, did this movie take place on the dark uh on the dark moon on the fifth of june and a Kenworth Hall and Logs. Bravo, Man, sir. Screwed, Bravo. Ooh, I think I screwed that one up. Man. <laughs> uh, but I I love just that it 
it gets to the end and it's been like Yule Brenner's killed a lot of folks. But it's like, you know what? <laughs> and it's just like, we're not I'm not going to try to deny what this movie is like. It it is what it is. It wears it on its sleeve and, and it's all the better for it. You right. know, it's it's not if this if this was like two hours and 20 minutes and ended that way, it might overstay its welcome be like why the hell but it's like it's quick it's brisk it's fun uh yeah all it, right and I, and I feel like if if the movie were made 20 years later we would have like had an extra 20 minutes tacked on to the end where we found out that everyone who died had actually been a robot the whole time including everybody that he knew to be humans which might want, everybody was a robot which might wind up being the show <laughs> let's cross our fingers <laughs> they're, they're, they're gonna be inception robots well it is jj abrams produced so let's just cross our fingers they don't pull something like yeah, that executive produced but right. yeah yeah okay, okay. You, you asked for favorite i'm gonna give you three favorites okay. um okay first and foremost i mentioned at yule brenner's entrance where he's just talking trash and so the natural response to someone talking shit at a bar is to shoot them so his entire entrance, he's just so cool. Damn. Um, so you like somebody in, programmed him to be a shit-talking robot. <laughs> to be an asshole who gets shot. Um, okay, so that's that's one of my favorite moments. My other, which isn't really favorite, it's just whenever I saw it as a kid, it scared the bejesus out of me, was whenever the fat guy in Medieval World gets impaled. That, yeah. re- that always mm-hmm. stuck with me as a kid. Because he was, you know, he's just such an innocent guy for the most part, and mm-hmm. then he just gets impaled. It was awful. And then uh, the favorite, capital F favorite, is whenever Richard Benjamin's in the computer lab area or the monitoring area, and then the camera pans over to the monitor to show Yulbrenner still chasing after him, and then it does this boom, 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 and <clears throat> you have Yulbrenner stalking him. So that that sequence, a very Michael Myers sort of very sort of thing, very yeah. effective horror sequence. Yeah. I love that moment. I don't see how you could be more scared by the impaling scene than. Uh, marshmallow left on the fire too long. Yul Brenner popping in the frame <laughs> right at the end. You know, you just have to ask ten year old Hunter. I'm not sure that, and that was like that was a pretty that shot was incredible. That shot looked great. Oh yeah, absolutely. It's uh, and this was a low budget movie. Um, it was I think only like one point two five million dollars. Yeah, I mean you really? can see like the grease pencil around his jawline when when they show him <laughs> like yeah. when when they're about to upgrade him and take his take his face off. But that that was like really uh, top notch, even like for practical effects today. Like I would I would buy it. Oh yeah, terrific stuff. Spoilers are done. Spoilers are done. So, Chris, if your stomach can't stand that hundred proof old West whiskey, what should the Midnight Warriors be cracking open when they watch Westworld? You know, generally I go for some sort of craft brew that has you know maybe it's infused with something or aged in something or a double or imperial something um for westworld i'm not going to go that direction i'm also not going to go down the sometimes i'll, I'll pair something as like uh, as as our friend felucia said like sometimes my biggest criticism of a film comes in my uh my beer pairing that's not going to happen here either i'm going to go with just an old trusty true shiner bach from spetzel brewery in shiner texas uh, this is a, uh, a Bach lager. Um, and it's, 
It is a, I think I've actually, I haven't recommended it on the show in the past, but I have uh, discussed it in, in another uh, recommendation. And, and I, I like to think this is sort of a, the, the right working man's beer. Um, it's of, of the uh, macro breweries, Shiner Bach is the beer that I will still go to. Like I have no problem belling up to, to the bar at, uh, and, and ordering this. Or, you know, if, if you go to a wedding and it's like, oh, we've got Miller Lite, we've got Bud Light, and we've got Shiner Bach. Shiner Bach is obviously the answer every time. Um, it's, it's just a solid, good little beer. And it's, it's not trying to put on airs. It's uh, much like this movie, just, just thoroughly enjoyable. Um, and you can find it basically anywhere. So, you know, maybe sneak a couple into uh, the screening this weekend. You'll love it. <laughs> was that was uh, that a really 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 bad it was <laughs> wow okay well as chris said that uh, you can maybe we're not recommending this we're just you can maybe sneak it into the screen because westworld would be screening at circle cinema this friday january 13th and saturday january 14th at 10 p.m chris and i will be hosting it so come and see the film and here's some serious insight from the two of us or, if you're like me and you don't happen to reside in green country, Westworld is available to rent or purchase from all impeccable purveyors of motion pictures. And, as always, if you've seen it, tell us your thoughts at hello at warstartsatmidnight.com. Or, if email isn't your thing, we'd still love to hear from you. Ring that bright red telephone and leave us a voicemail at 484-424-6362. That's 484-4CINEMA. Stick around. We'll be back after the break with my recap of week six of the Midnight Warrior Fantasy Movie League and our really rad recommendations. Now time for the Week 6 Midnight Warrior Fantasy Movie League Recap. Week 6 was the first weekend to have the standard three-day box office scoring since before Christmas, so it would be easy to think that this was a return to normal for the Fantasy Movie League. The pricing team at FML did a great job of putting many films up for the Best Performer bonus, and there were a few schools of thought on how this week would end up playing out. Would it be a week to go heavy with Moana for what seems like the 10th straight week? Would La La Land live up to its hype with an expansion to 1,500 screens? Or would the underpriced Why Him manage to outperform everything else as comedies are wont to do this time of year? Well, those were all fine plays, but the real Cineplex revealed itself at 10 a.m. on Friday morning. When the overnights came out, it was clear that Hidden Figures was ready to blast off. Making over $1 million on Thursday previews alone, it was obvious that it would outperform its two comps that most people went with, either Selma or Lee Daniels the Butler, both of which finished in the 400,000 range for their previews. So, as all the top players shifted to three screens of hidden figures, it was just a question of what else could you afford. 
Personally, I picked five screens of Manchester by the Sea, as I couldn't bear to pick Assassin's Creed. My Cineplex does have some integrity, folks. However, as usual, I was close, but wrong. Assassin's Creed, Fantastic Beasts, and three screens of Manchester filled out the perfect Cineplex. So, Chris, I'll give you exactly one guess as to what Midnight Warrior got the perfect Cineplex. Uh, was it Nick Cage's office Christmas farty? Uh, <laughs> no. You know who it was. Don't play coy. Oh, you mean OPC Where Art Thou? Yeah, of course I mean OPC Where Art Thou. Yet again, getting a perfect Cineplex, and also an underperformance from our leader, School of Rock. Uh, we have these two Cineplexes within $1 million of each other for the season. Uh, the third place Cineplex is still $15 million back, which is technically within grasp, but in reality, with the way these two set lineups, it's far, far out of reach. So, Chris, let me beat you to the punch here. What do you like for this week? And do you think we can justify playing Silence as a best performer Dark Horse? Or, more importantly, can Silence please, please, please come to a real-world Cineplex near us in the next two weeks? Uh, Jake, I have not looked at uh, anything available in Cineplexes at all. <sighs> Why not? I, uh, I had a child. Uh, yeah, but there's Fantasy Movie League still running. There is fantasy movie league. So you your your whole thing about hidden figures, I had no idea that hidden figures did so well at previews or you know, that business. I set my lineup, I think, Tuesday and just left it and somehow ended up in ended up in fifth place. I feel like now that you're a father, I'm just gonna have to like uh pass you little notes through chat that's like, Hey Chris, just 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 until your Hey Jake your kid can uh Yeah. I'm looking at this now. I think Fantasy Movie League is drunk. Why? There's a movie called just called Monster Trucks, The Bye Bye Man, <laughs> something with Jamie Foxx called Sleepless. Okay. I haven't heard of any of this. Uh, I, I, I haven't heard of Monster Trucks either. And just looking at the, the little image that Fantasy Movie League has, it looks like the trucks are monsters. It does. I don't know if it's real. Maybe it's like, you know, when, when maps put a fake city on the map so nobody copies them. Uh-huh. As a copyright thing, maybe they made up monster trucks and stuck it in the lineup this week to see if anybody like predicts a box office for a movie that doesn't exist. This could be the first animated movie that's completely made by AI. <laughs> like they said, these are the movies that did really well. They like inserted them into an algorithm and and obviously cars is an element. Uh, they, they just spit out like all the children's things together. It it animated the entire thing itself. It it put the story together itself. If that was the case, I would actually see this movie. Yeah, and especially if the Microsoft songwriting robot uh, wrote the theme song for this movie. <laughs> uh, I don't know what I'm going to do at all. Um, you know what I might do? What? I might just do all La La Land's. Can I do that? Uh, you can't afford all La La Lands. You can afford, uh, f I think, five and then like... Eight. Uh, I don't think you can afford eight, Chris. I can afford eight and two blank screens. That, that's six and two blank screens. That's so. six and two blank screens. <laughs> I, 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 don't, I don't think six and two empty is the right way to go, Chris. You could do, you know, five and three silence. You know, people are going to see silence. Yeah, I might, I might do that. Um... I, uh, here's here's my thinking. One, uh, there's a whole bunch of fake movies on this that I know nothing about. <laughs> um, two, I suddenly have lost a bit of the like focus. And three, La La Land uh -huh. just swept the Golden Globes pretty well. So uh, 
maybe people will get out and see it even more. I don't know. Maybe. I mean, it's possible. You could also do a bunch of Rogue Ones and just say, ah, I've heard of a Star War. Maybe it'll do good. One Star War? I've got a bunch of Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what I'm going to do. What are you What are you thinking, Jake? Uh, I, I think what, where I'm at is you, you, you go with a Star War up top, and then you do four La La Lands and three Silence. But I really have to wait until theater counts come out on Thursday, because it's all about La La Lands expansion. I think it went to 1500 mm-hmm. this last week. But it was like 1,500 in the same cities it was already in. Hmm. And it, it's hard to get that same buzz and excitement and sold out theaters when... Yeah, but here's my, my thing is I, I feel like it's probably, for, for us, it's definitely a movie that was to be anticipated. I still think there's a faction that maybe hadn't really heard much about it until last weekend. That's what I'm thinking. I have no idea. I'm I'm running on I'm running on very little sleep here. I I hope so, and I I also hope Silence comes out in just enough screens to make it relevant because it could easily be like thirty, and then you're not going to yeah. play it. But maybe it could be one fifty and be kind of relevant. Well, and it it's a Scorsese film. You think they could release it wide? I don't know, man. Um. Oh, in other in other news, our league is continuing to grow as we have reached our twentieth Cineplex. Um, with the addition. <laughs> Of Lickdorod Real Good Theaters. Uh, c- come again? Uh, is the Cineplex name is Lickdorod Real Good Theaters. Um, I'm assuming this guy's first name must be Lickdorod, <laughs> and his last name, Real Good. Maybe we're pronouncing it wrong. M- maybe, uh, but uh, I would l- also like to point out that Lickdorod Real Good has surpassed Hunter's season-long total in his one-week setting alignment. <laughs> well, of course. He, he went with like six ass- Assassin's Creed's and still beat hunter's season long total hunter hasn't been setting his lineup at all right like after trolls left he just he just dropped the mic right <laughs> yeah it was it was all trolls and then trolls was gone and he hasn't even attempted hmm. i think he's trying to win a free awful beer from you because <laughs> probably any beer is good beer he's right? gonna be bringing his own now <laughs> all right uh still need more fml in your life catch my weekly recaps and predictions each wednesday on the war starts at midnight blog and if you got a hot take on the next perfect cineplex hit us up on facebook or twitter at wsam pod stick around and we'll be back after the break with some really rad recommendations wake up wake up wake up All right, gentlemen, really rad recommendation time. I very, very much want to go last. So, Jacob, would you please do the honors of kicking us off? 
Sure. I, I wanted to, to link together two films uh, that I've seen recently, you know, this one and the one I'm about to talk about, uh, based on what I assume is an obscure IMDb plot keyword. You ever go through the weird plot keywords yes. on IMDb? Yes. Well, these two would be joined by a plot keyword of main character's face falls off. <laughs> Spoilers for whatever you're about to announce. Yeah, sorry, Chris. I know you haven't seen this one, but I'm going with 2015's Anomalisa, uh, the Charlie Kaufman penned and directed mm-hmm. uh, stop motion animated film, executive produced by one of my favorites, Dan Harmon, and made at or with the help of uh, Starburns Industries. Is that right? I believe it was made at Starburns Industries. Okay, yes. yeah. And it was a film that was either kickstarted or some sort of crowdsource. Yeah, I think it was kickstarted. And I was extremely surprised at the film. It it is maybe Kaufman's most accessible work. Really? Uh, but in but in a good way. Okay. Um, uh, and and there's a few things I, I don't really want to spoil anything about it, other than that the main character's face melts off. I, I didn't say melts off, Hunter. Maybe you're putting your own spin on that. I <laughs> the said face falls explodes. Off. <laughs> And it's not really like a spoiler that much, but this movie uh, is actually a remake of of Westworld, specifically the 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 movie of Westworld. Yes, uh, and and you don't travel to Westworld; you travel to claymation world or stop motion animated world. Uh, But but no, it's and if you like if you like Charlie Kaufman uh, films and you enjoy uh, adaptation and and in particular, I think uh, you will really like Anomalies. It's it's at the top of both my Hulu and Amazon Prime queues. I've been meaning to get to it. It was one that like I I think it only played at Circle for like a couple weeks, and I just didn't it didn't work with my schedule, and I was really upset that I missed, and I just haven't gotten around to it. Um, just popped up on on both of those, and I'm super excited to to check it out. And just warning, in case you want to watch it with your family, uh, it does have the um, the requisite uh, puppet sex, or not puppet sex in this movie. It's a claymation sex scene, but but just be aware that some stuff's coming. Is it as scintillating as the it's- Westworld sex scene? <laughs> uh, they just they just roll. That's all they yeah. do. It had more life in that in in the animated sex scene than in the Westworld <laughs> sex scene. All right, so Jacob, where can uh, one see Anomalisa? Uh, so in addition to uh, being first on Chris's Amazon Prime and Hulu list, uh, it's also available to rent on iTunes. So find it at one of those places if you have those services, but uh, definitely seek it out. I got it at Redbox. Okay, nice. So. Right on. And that kind of makes me think the most depressing vacation ever, Kaufman World. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's isn't that basically Synecdoche, Synecdoche New York, though? Yeah, Synecdoche, Synecdoche New York World. <laughs> <laughs> New vacation. All right, Chris, uh, what have you got? Any robots in your pick? Uh, not that I'm aware of, but maybe. Um, my pick is One-Eyed Jacks, which is the only film that Marlon Brando ever directed. And it's actually based on a book that was sort of a fictionalized account of the story of Billy the Kid. He plays uh, the Billy the Kid character. And uh, this just came out on a Criterion Collection um, Blu-ray release. Actually, Martin Scorsese, his film foundation, I think it's just called the Film Foundation, um, was sort of integral in finding it and getting it restored. Um, There, to my understanding, was not a good print of this in existence in like the um, digital realm. Like there were, there were versions, but they were either cropped or the color was really bad. They had to, they'd do a whole lot of restoration on the blues cause it was three strip Technicolor. I think, and I think Scorsese even says on, on the, cause it, um, he does like intro and some other things on the special features of the disc. Um, I think he said it's the last thing that was shot in 
uh, Cinemascope. And there's actually, there's a uh, interview, I'll link to this in the show notes, but there's this uh, like sort of on stage um, discussion between Steven Spielberg and Martin Scorsese at, I don't know, I think it was at some film festival after maybe the premiere of it, um, where they, they sort of talk about it and about um, uh, the restoration and, and all of the, um, you know, their, their love for it. But basically, so it's, it's a story of Billy the Kid. Um, and it's, it's a Western that what I appreciate about it is it, it takes a lot of interesting interesting turns. It's also, it's gorgeous. Um, and I think Brando's actually a pretty, a pretty good, solid director. Um, it's, it's sort of like night of the hunter where seeing this, I'm only like, I'm upset that there was not more by him. It was his only, uh, his only venture in directing. Um, and it, it kind of, you know, it, it begins with bank robbery and your basic, you know, Western things. And then it, it sort of ebbs and flows Scorsese in the, the intro for it on the disc says that it's sort of straddling between the old school, um, you know, forties, fifties, Western, and then the new, cause I think this was made in 61 or so. And then the new Hollywood stuff coming and the, and the, um, you know, the, the Brandos and, and those sort of folks who are very method, it, it sort of straddles between those very nicely. Um, a really, a really wonderful, surprising little watch that I, I got for uh, Christmas and finally got around to, to checking out. Um, as I said, it's available on a Criterion Blu-ray DVD. It's also apparently streaming for free on Tubi TV. Which, yeah, I didn't even know that was a thing, the 2B TV. And Chris, we, we looked at it at the beginning. <laughs> this thing is so blurry that you can't even make it out. Yeah, this is definitely. So when I said that there wasn't like a solid digital version, this is definitely the prior to restoration version of, of this film. Uh, very, very blurry. It also looks like you're going to get a lot of commercials in between. So yeah, crystal clear, <clears throat> crystal clear criterion collection version or <laughs> free to be TV that you can't even make out. Right. Okay. First, I don't even a hundred percent believe you guys that to be TV is a real thing. <laughs> I think, I think you made it up as a joke, uh, on that side of the Here, microphone. Here's, here's the thing, Jake, I'm going to put a link in the show notes. You're going to click it and then you're going to put just all of your, you know, your basic, your name, address, phone number, social, all of those things in security and then you can, code on your credit card. Yeah, Be sure to include that. And then, and then you can watch this for free just, just to watch, just to watch the, the movie through Yul Brenner's game boy camera eyes. Right. <laughs> exactly. Um, you can also rent on voodoo. I have no idea what version of it. Um, there is on, on voodoo. So, I mean, to be perfectly honest, I'm just going to say, uh, find the criterion disc and treat yourself. Maybe at the next, uh, Barnes and Noble 50% off sale also uh, chris i just want to point out uh, a correction now so you don't have to do it in the show notes but okay. this that was not the last film shot in uh cinemascope because la la land was shot in cinemascope okay so fair i guess um at least presented in cinemascope this is and, and i'm not sure exactly scorsese goes into this in the uh on on the disc but um it may be that it was the three strip cinemascope it may be i i'm not sure but that's uh, regardless, that's, that's what he says. It looks, it looks gorgeous. Um, it's, uh, who, who are you going to believe, uh, Scorsese or the cinemascope, uh, logo Wikipedia the, article that oh. I just read and possibly edited myself. <laughs> okay. Fair. Um, and, and on that note, Hunter, you're, you're giddy with anticipation. Once again, what, what do you have to recommend this time? Chris, ask me if my recommendation has robots in it. 
<laughs> Ooh, Hunter, does your recommendation have robots in it? Jacob, ask me if my recommendation has robots in it. Hunter, does your recommendation have robots in it? My recommendation has so many robots in it. Um, <laughs> having just watched Westworld, I decided to see one of Michael Crichton's other directorial efforts. It came in 1984, starring Tom Selleck and, as the villain, Gene Simmons of Kiss. <laughs> Is Gene Simmons a robot? No, he is not. A, well, what? if he is a robot, it was never revealed as a okay. robot. 1984's Runaway. Um, I'll, I'll give you the Cliff Notes version because you just kind of need to experience this as a virgin, almost <laughs> a, a virgin to what this movie is, is that there are um, there are police officers who capture robots, essentially. These robots are called Runaways. Um, robots are it's the robots are kind of like Rosie in the Jetsons, where they perform just basic functions, but sometimes they they go crazy. Okay, and in in at one point in time, there's this Tom Selleck has to go into this house because there's a robot that, like I said, literally looks like it's from the Jetsons or the 1950s or something <laughs> like that, but is holding a 357 Magnum <laughs> and shooting people on its little robot arm, and Tom Selleck has to go in there with a laser and shoot this when, robot. When was this made? 1984. This. Uh, is this just like low rent Blade Runner? I wouldn't even say low rent Blade Runner. I mean, it do, it doesn't even get that high. And here's here, here's the thing: is this was one of those movies that I I saw at Blockbuster. Like I saw the tape on the, but I could never rent it because it was I think it's R, uh-huh. so I was never allowed to rent. And I always wanted to watch Runaway with Tom Selleck shooting robots. <laughs> and here we are. What maybe maybe twenty years later? Probably I'm finally so. getting to watch Runaway. It is so shitty. Are you recommending oh us watch God. or not watch this movie? We usually recommend no, movies you to need, watch. No, watch no watch Runaway. Do, do I do I need a couple couple libations beforehand? You know, I probably should have done. Actually, I did do that. Never mind. Yeah, I had some libations before I watched this, and it made it that much better. Um, but yeah, Tom Selleck, 1984. So this is Magnum PI time. Peak Tom Selleckie. Um, Gene Simmons is playing like a snarling villain. It's it kind of reminded me of a really bad Joker. Okay. You know, where it's the villain who's just outsmarting everyone, but yeah. it's Gene Simmons. <laughs> so at one point in time, he's like, he like walks up to a prone Tom Selleck and he's got this ridiculous grin on his face because he just can't act. It's it's a hoot. That's <laughs> all I'm going to say. And the robots are not threatening at all. That's the thing. They're supposed to be the, the villains, but they just like, they move with this... I, I'm, I'm rambling. I'm rambling. I'm so excited about this movie. You need to watch it. Okay. So I imagine that this is the type of movie that you could have easily found at Hollywood video back in the day. War starts at midnight brought to you by Hollywood video. But uh, being that we are in the digital age, where can one find this? You can watch this on Amazon for $4.99 to rent, <laughs> or you can buy it for $12.99. <laughs> And also available on Amazon, a movie I haven't seen, but I think Michael Crichton only directed three movies, the other being Coma, starring Michael Douglas. So I plan on watching that very soon, <laughs> even though I'm going to have to pay $5 to watch that as well. The trifecta. Yeah, his his only three films. <laughs> All right. Well, that is a wrap for another episode of War Starts at Midnight. Find us online at warstartsatmidnight.com for show notes, Fantasy Movie League recaps, and more. Or say hello on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at WSAMPod. If you enjoy the show, rate and subscribe to it in iTunes or wherever you get the podcast. It'll help us grow the Midnight Warrior clan, and it'll make you feel awesome. On the other hand, if you're the trolling type who simply hate listening through these credits, please, please go ahead and tell us everything we got wrong at hello at warstartsatmidnight.com. Or if you're a narcissist, you can leave us a voicemail and see if we play it. Just ring that bright red telephone at 484 424-6362. 
The War Starts at Midnight theme song was produced by Justin Streck. The Spoiler Alert theme song is by The Taylor Machine. Check them out at facebook.com slash The Taylor Machine. And shout out to Ruben's Accomplice for the featured music on this week's show. Find more at rubensaccomplice.com. Remember to come out and see us at Circle Cinema this weekend for two special screenings of the movie behind the hit HBO series Westworld. Showtimes are at 10 p.m. Friday and Saturday, and Hunter and I will introduce the film at both screenings. And join us right here in another fortnight as we count down our top 10 films of 2016 and present the most anticipated awards of the season, the second annual Blimpy Awards. Plus, we'll have a review of Martin Scorsese's much-anticipated epic, Silence. So long, Space Cowboy. Get this boy a bib. Chris, kill him. (laughs) (laughs) 